People, ils ont posé, ils ont tout le monde. For the podcast. Let me take a minute before you smell my breath on the podcast. Back at it again. It's the Photo Culture Podcast. We have a special guest with us today, Naz Perez. What's going on? Thanks for having me, guys. No problem, no problem. Are you guys all in Florida? Yeah, we're all in Florida. Wow. I'm sending you guys my love right now. How are you guys all doing right now? We're good. We're good. We're amazing. How about yourself? I'm okay. I'm 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 pretty heartbroken. I'm heartbroken and hopeful, I think would be the word. You know, I run a support group for people that are heartbroken. Um, and I just feel like racism and racial injustice is just a heartbreak that's ongoing and that's been swept under the rug for a long time. So I kind of feel like we're we're building a plane while flying it, but what's going on outside my door is like instilled a lot of hope. Um instilled a lot of hope in me. Like, I feel very proud to be a part of this generation, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, you said you miss Florida. What part of Florida are you from? So I, I'm from South Florida. I feel like that's the easiest answer because I wasn't born in Florida, but we first lived in Miami. Then we lived in Coconut Creek. So Broward County. And then, um, what I consider home is Boca Raton because we lived there the longest. That's where I went to high school you know, my parents still, um, still have a place there. So, but all of South Florida, I feel is like all like one place, you know? Yeah. Where are you, what part of Florida are you guys from? Well, I'm near Boca, but I'm more Core Springs and okay. uh, yeah. Lisa's like North, like, I don't know. I'm actually, oh, yeah. well, I um, was Wellington, now I'm Port St. Lucie, so. Okay, we're all same, yeah, yeah, right down 441. Oh my God, Roosevelt, this is the weirdest thing ever. I have dreams of being little at the Coral Square Mall. Like, I have dreams of the fish tank in front of, like, Orange Julius. I don't know if you guys remember any of this. I've never even been to that mall ever. I actually don't even know where Coral Gables is. I'm originally from New York, so I have no idea. Okay. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Look, you remember remember that? um, You remember that, Clark? I'm in Sunrise. I've been all around. I lived in Coral Springs. I lived in Boca, too. Okay. Nice. I know what you're talking about, Julius. Yeah. yeah, I know you're talking about Orange Julius. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Right by the yeah. I, don't, I don't think they even have that anymore. Like, I don't remember that. No, 100%. They have I, one yeah. actually on Dixie over here on Palm Beach. They have one, and it's actually really good, too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Orange Julius was good. <laughs> I wanted to say that you went from um, South Florida, you went to UCF in Orlando, Yeah. and you graduated, and then you graduated a broadcasting degree. What made you go to broadcasting? What made you say, this is what I want to do? It was so funny. I didn't really know what I wanted to do going into college. And I I remember having so much anxiety, having to fill something out. And you know, orientation, when you go around with your parent, I don't know, it's not orientation, actually. You know, when you're taking a tour, you're going around with your parents, and there's like someone from the college that's like leading the tour. And, um, I've always like loved movies and TV and just entertainment and sports. And so the guy that was giving the tour, I was like, well, what's your major? And he was like, broadcast journalism. And I was like, oh, and he's like, yeah, I want to be a, a news anchor. And then I was like, done. That's what I want to do. Like that was like, <laughs> it was like this weird moment. And so that's sort of like how it, 
I think I always wanted to do that deep down. I just didn't like know that like how to do it, you know, until he told me that's what it was. And then from that, you graduated and you ended up in LA. And yeah. what made you want to go to LA? So I had like, originally I wanted to be a sports reporter, like the next Lisa Salters or Rachel Nichols or Doris Burke. Like I looked up to all these women on ESPN and, and I spent all of college interning, um, doing all these sports internships, like for NBA entertainment, Fox Sports Florida and all this stuff. And I was at, um, I was at the finals in 2012 when LeBron won his first championship ring. It was like, OKC in Miami. And for some reason, I just, it, it was a month before I was about to graduate. I was like, I don't think I want to be a woman and go into sports. Not like to discourage women from going into sports, like you 100% should. I think I would just remember like this one woman on the sidelines, like pronounced someone's last name wrong, like Sal Talamachia. That's the last name of, um, of a baseball player. And she just got like scrutinized and people you know, it's really hard for women in a lot of industries, but especially sports, um, to prove their credibility. So I was like, damn, I don't know if I want to bust my ass and work so hard to like say one thing wrong to then lose it. Um, that was my mentality back then. That's not my mentality now. But, um, so then a month before I graduated, I was like, all right, well, I want to go into entertainment. I saw Juliana Rancic's, um, True Hollywood Story. She's a host on E!, I used and, to love her. Yeah. I was like, I want to be the next her. Like, that's what I want to do. So I got to move to LA. So I got an internship at the Ellen DeGeneres show. And that's sort of the reason oh. why I moved to LA. But it was all within like a month before I graduated. Like my whole college, I was like, I'm doing sports. And then again, just like this moment happens and it just changed. Did that's you, amazing. uh, did you, did you like, like, so you went to LA with no money saved up or nothing. You just went. Yeah. Yeah, my parents, like, they didn't give me a dollar, and it was really scary, and I was so grateful for the Ellen internship because it was paid, and and I always tell people, Ellen, I took an internship out of college after already having done, like, a million internships, and I feel like when people come out of college, they're like, I, you know, I did the work, it's time for me to have a job, but um, I think people forget it's so easy to get your foot in the door when you're an intern. So I was very lucky that they paid $9 an hour. So my mom had a friend out here that lived in Burbank and she lived, which is where Warner Brothers Studios is. And um, I lived in that woman's kid's toy room in like a blow up mattress. And it was like a crazy toy room. Just like, it was just like a blow up mattress and like a bunch of like plastic toys around me. And I lived there for nine months. You know, I think I paid her like 300 a month or whatever I could afford. Um, yeah, you, yeah. Sometimes you got to make that sacrifice. Um, I remember going to LA, uh, what was it, like two years ago? I went for Complex Con. I don't know if you're oh, familiar nice. with that. Yeah, I love Complex Con. Yeah. Yeah. So I went there and um, my first time ever going there, we were like doing a vlog and we met like a whole bunch of celebrities. We were doing like little mini interviews walking around. And um, when, as soon as I got there, I was like, wow, I think I belong here. Like, I want to move here. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you had that feeling too, but some people don't like it. But I just felt like I was at home for some reason. But I also would say this too. I hate the traffic. Yeah, the traffic sucks. Like, being in Florida, it's so funny. My mom was like, you don't have a garage? 
She's like, you don't have washer dryer in your house. <laughs> like basic essential things that like everyone has in Florida. And I'm like, I'm like, I know it's rough, but I, I felt the same way as you, Roosevelt. I feel now I've lived here for eight years now. And I kind of, I, you know, obviously a lot of us have seen the last dance, which is like the most incredible sports documentary. Michael Jordan, MJ. About, yeah. About, you know, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls and, you know, there's six championships, but he was like, I'm from North Carolina, but I feel like Chicago's my home. And I feel the same, like I'm from Florida, but I really identify with Los Angeles and, and the culture yeah. here. Yeah. It's amazing over there. Yeah. That's absolutely amazing. Like I, I feel the same way, like how Rose Rose feels like, cause I've, I've been there and I've been there. Like I can't even count how many times I've been there, but uh, my brother lives there like downtown and it just feels like, it feels like Florida, but times 10. I don't know how to explain yeah. it. Like it just, yeah, you know, like, the scenery yeah. is amazing. The people are cool. Yeah. You know, everybody, everybody's so connected too. like, you know, they just, yeah. It's expensive up there too. Oh my God. It's so expensive. I mean, it's not New York. Like I feel like I have a lot of friends that moved to New York from Florida. Cause it's sort of like the two hour flight and it's easier, but I don't know. I'm like the weather here is so much better, but yeah, yeah. no, it, it is. Yeah. Really I hear San Diego is amazing. I have one of my best friends that lives in San Diego and they that it's amazing and they yeah he sends me like videos and photos or like old facetime me and the kids and stuff and show us and it looks awesome yeah san diego legit has the greatest weather like of all the country i think um but yeah it's expensive here like i live in a room as you guys can see <laughs> like wow. i feel like people you know everyone always thinks instagram's real and people are killing it or whatever and you know i i think i have worked hard for what i have but I'm also, I don't know. I don't need all the big, I don't need a one bedroom. I don't need all that stuff, you know, but, um, it is expensive here for sure. It's annoying. Yeah. yeah. Like my friends are paying the same thing I'm paying and they're like, you know, on a one a in Miami, they have like ocean view, like one bedroom, like a full. Oh yeah. It's and, I, style. <laughs> and I have like, no, I'm like, wow, we're paying the same thing. And I have no washer dryer in my unit, you know? That's yeah, crazy. It's, it's different. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. But it's worth the sacrifice for me, I think. Definitely, definitely. You came a long way. That's yeah. scary going out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is. I think people are I mean, you I've risked everything in my career. Like I've always jumped and I've only ever made it because I jumped. Like I left I drove to E, handed them my resume because I oh I wanted to be the next Juliana while I was working at Ellen. And then E was like Hey, you want to come? We have a three month job for you. And Ellen had just hired me because I was an intern. So Ellen hired me and I was like, well, I have this full-time job at Ellen, like this huge daytime talk show, you know, but I got to leave. I got to go and work there three months and risk it, or I'm never going to get in the door there. And so I did. And then, and then after the three months was up, I had no job and I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to move home. Like I have no money. And but then it's like, I think those are the moments like where you can be most creative, you know, in those moments of like survival and like trying to just make it happen. Yes, and so, so for me, that was when this was 2013. Um, I was like crying because I was like, man, I shouldn't have left Ellen. And I was like starting to regret it. And then that's that was when um, around the time when basketball players started really dressing to the nines and like you know, the walk from the bus to the locker room became like a fashion show. And I was like, well, I just worked this three month <laughs> job at E with Ryan Seacrest where he's asking George Clooney who he's wearing. 
And I was like, if there's people out there that care what George Clooney's wearing, there's got to be people that care what Dwayne Wade and LeBron James are wearing, you know? I'll so I West started. Brother. What? And Russell Westbrook. Yeah, my oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. He was, <laughs> yeah, was going AWOL with it at one point. <laughs> I, he was my favorite because he didn't have a stylist, and a lot of them do. So, so while I was unemployed and I was scared, I – I started to write about it and I would like write about who they were wearing. And cause I remember working that finals before I decided to move to LA that I was telling you guys about, you know, five minutes ago. Um, I re remember Dwayne Wade's cargo pants got more headlines than the game did. Like there were more people what? talking about like how he rolled up his pants. I think it was. Cause they were too short and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah so, I remember that. So I started to, to, there were only three websites at the time. Complex was only doing sneakers. And so I was covering who these people were wearing and who the designers were and all that stuff. And then I started sidelinestyles.com. And then my first on-camera gig ever was for the Style Network covering the SB, the ESPN Awards, because they were like, oh, we need a girl that knows who these athletes are, but that knows about fashion. So I was like, all right, that's my niche. Like, I got it, you know? Wow, that's amazing. But then three weeks later, the Style Network got canceled. So, then <laughs> it's just oh, like, so that's like the TV, that's the industry, you know? It's like you're going you're gonna to get up and you're going to get knocked down. You just got to keep getting back up, you know? Dude. What do you guys do? I'm uh, a hairstylist well, and I own a barber shop. Amazing. But I do work a lot of the uh, Miami Swim Week and Fashion Week and a lot of weddings. Um, yeah. So I do like kind of the fun stuff. So I get to kind of dabble a little bit in that which is pretty yeah. fun you know because well, it's good. always pretty hectic my, and chaotic i need you to do my hair when i get down there because i feel like no one knows how let to me know yeah i'm all, actually always in boca too i i'm not too far from that when we have an office in fort lauderdale when we're not in quarantine where we actually all meet up in, in fort lauderdale yeah since how long has filming? it been since you guys have all seen each other uh, they yeah, was like yeah. Fe March, February. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah, three yeah. months before spring break. That's yeah. true. Yeah, it was a long time. Man. Actually, no, I seen Clark two weeks ago for his daughter's birthday party. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going I crazy. got to see him on FaceTime. Yeah, yeah. You were at yeah, yeah. You were at my. <laughs> I live yeah. there in spirit through FaceTime. You know, that's amazing. <laughs> Are people? It's so being from Florida and moving away you sort of have to become this like defendant of florida ah <laughs> uh, yeah that's so true like it you will be attacked like i had my florida license plates on for the longest like way longer than i should have ever had and people were like man you're from the penis of america uh -huh. and it's like and i'm like yeah and i'm proud of it like i love florida but are people actually quarantining there because from what we see on the news and i know the news isn't like oh wait like ever really accurate of what's actually going on but it seems like no girl not, not honestly i want to say like a week everybody kind of was over it. i mean they're still taking precautions where it's like <laughs> oh, limited amount of people walmart but like i mean everybody is still at the beach people are still running around people are still you know working out like having parties spring break was that same month and everybody was partying in miami and wow. covering the beaches and you know it was super hectic regardless that's so wild. no, I don't. I mean, at least by me, I don't think we. Yeah, it calmed really down. Taking it as serious as they probably could, to be honest. But it did. Like people are staying in, but they're not exactly like restaurants are open. And there's still people out. Like I just actually saw in um Fort Lauderdale, 
there was a friend of mine who snapped, like, you know, a Snapchat or something. And uh, she was out at a club and it was packed. Like, oh there were a lot God. of people and it was in Fort Lauderdale. And I'm like, girl, you don't even have a mask on either. <laughs> so, I mean, what's going to happen? And I just saw, yeah. like, I've been on watching the, you know, statistics and the rise and the cases and stuff like that. And obviously, I'm sure it's not 100% accurate, but you know, they've kind of spiked quite a significant amount. So I'm trying to just stay yeah. in my quarantine zone. Yeah. And not. Yeah. The best. Essential water. It's best. I love alkaline water. Yeah. I'm scared for the numbers. I'm scared because my parents live there and they aren't really, I feel like I was becoming my parents' parent. You know, I was yeah, like. Yeah. A lot of people are feeling not. like that. Yeah. A lot of people feeling like that wild yeah and i actually just seen a flyer literally earlier this today saying come to this party to support george floyd and i was like y'all gonna go over there to go party all around each other like you don't know who what somebody got i was like that's crazy i'm not going it's crazy yeah i went to a protest um on wednesday and it was actually really amazing because i feel like people were very conscious of like the fact that we are still in a pandemic and everyone had a mask on and what i thought was so insane something i had never noticed before was that not one cop had a mask on yeah that's yeah you know clark was saying something like that and you know what else clark said he said why the police officer is not protecting like the uh, what you said, Clark, the protecting the, the stores. stores. Why, why aren't they? It's like they're they're trying to prevent the protesters from doing something. But why not just go straight to the stores in that district and just block them off if you can? You yeah. know, why not just try to put a barricade in front of the stores? You know. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's so- all. I think that was all. That all really went down here last weekend, and everything. It feels like the city's like cleaned up now. A lot of the community like came out and. It feels like that's not really like an issue here anymore. But the National Guard is here, like the military is like down. The oh street. wow! And it's just it's very off-putting, and it's it's just it's weird. Like we're living in very wild times. Yeah, seems like yeah, but <laughs> but I know we you know we just kind of try to stay positive because I'm not gonna lie, I was getting to the point where like you know I was getting my emotions into it, and I was like, man, you know, like they are breaking stuff and you know, going into the stores and they're mad and maybe that's how they should do it. And then I was like, you know, I had to take a step back because, you know, Lisa did say something and, and, you know, think about those people with the, that own the businesses, even though they have insurance, then that insurance is not going to, you know, they don't know if they're going to cover 100%, them or, yeah. Yeah, or, yeah, exactly. And also the time it's going to take to recover, to get that money to re- rebuild, you know, they may, right. may take forever since what's, you know, what's going on. So, right. Yeah. It's crazy. It's heartbreak all around, man. Yeah. What? What? Oh, yeah. What are you? What, yeah, I was about to say. Um, before we, yeah, since we're already on this topic, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I didn't want to even talk about this now, but we might as well just be on the topic. What are your thoughts on the whole George Floyd thing? I mean, like I was saying, I'm just, I'm so heartbroken, and it's just, it's race, racism is a heartbreak that is ongoing. And it's just going to take a lot of time for people to look inward and do the work. But I am, and like I was saying to you guys earlier before we started recording, it feels like right now we're flying, a, we're building a plane while we're flying it. But 
I think I am hopeful because through Instagram and social media and people's voices and everything happening outside my door, like I feel like there is more hope and togetherness than being alone. And I think there's been a lot of lack of empathy in the world. And it feel, I feel like I'm feeling people are feeling guilt. And through that guilt, it is showing that they have the capacity to learn, to empathize, to change. So, um, you know, I just as much as almost like everyone in the world am devastated over George Floyd. Um, Breonna Taylor, I feel like a lot of people aren't talking about Breonna Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, I feel like they tend to forget, but it's just multiple people as opposed to one, you know? Exactly. And there's so many that we don't even know of. And this has been happening forever. So, um, so I think I just have to remain hopeful right now. And I, and I am really proud to be a part of this generation. And I really hope people get out there and vote. You know what I like about this generation, too? Compared to, like, the other rides that I've seen, I wasn't there, but based off of I heard older people talk, this generation have all races coming together. Like, there's a lot of white people coming, like, speaking up for, like, and it's not, their parents and the, I see a lot of I see a lot of older white people, but it's really the younger generation that's out there fighting, like trying to change, make make a change. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's like you said, our generation and the generation under us is really that that's this might be the threshold where everything changes. Like this might be the year twenty twenty where everything just stops and change. Yeah, I was seeing. You know, I think in the beginning of this year, all of us were feeling like twenty twenty is canceled. Like this year is trash. And now it's, you know, we're in the middle, we're in the middle of the year, we're in June. And it feels like there's this turning point and there's this, you know, current where it's like, well, maybe 2020 isn't canceled. Maybe this, maybe this is the greatest year ever. You know, maybe this yeah. is the year everything started to get better for everyone. Exactly. And it's yeah. funny, like we're like midway between the in the year. And it's yeah, like you said, it, yeah, it is starting to. I feel like it's changing just like at the perfect time. I think, I feel like it's going to change, but just stay positive basically, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you something? Um, did you hear what Candace, Candace Owens, Owens said? Like, did she, uh, on, no. did you hear what she said? No. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. It was, a mouth, it was a mouthful, man. It was oh, a mouthful. Really? And like, let me see if I can even, yeah, it was a mouthful. Like, it's crazy. Let me see if I can even yeah. find it. I was like, Find oh my God. Go ahead, go I like ahead. your podcast, by the way. I just oh, wanted to say. Yeah, I was looking at it. Yes, I love it. It definitely has great content and relatable uh-huh. things. Thanks. All right, yeah. so I'm about to play it. So it's like 14 minutes long, but I'm just going to play, like, I guess, the part that you should, you should hear. Okay. Family, um, I have decided to do this video. It has been weighing very heavily on my heart um, and on my mind as well. And it was something that I wanted to say early on, but there were so many emotions and so much pressure um, for me to go with the popular opinion about who George Floyd was. Um, And sometimes it can be difficult when there are just so many external pressures to say what you believe. And this was an instance where I felt like my silence would have been better in the beginning. But the more that I think about it, I realize that 
we are being sold a lot of lies and at the detriment to the black community, at the detriment to the white community, and at the detriment to America as a whole. So I um, want to come out and say uh, that I do not support George Floyd and the media depiction of him as a martyr for black America. I'm going to explain why, and I hope that some of you guys will understand where I'm coming from. Um, I have spent a considerable amount of time reading a lot um, of black authors that I think are some of the most brilliant black Americans breathing. Um, Walter Williams, Shelby Steele, Thomas Sowell, and I recently came across something that was an idea that was planted into my head by Shelby Steele, and it has been something that I cannot um, forget. It is something that will stick with me for the rest of my life, and it is something that I hope for the black Americans that are watching will stick with you for the rest of your life. Shelby Steele said that the black community is unique from other communities. Um, our, our culture is unique from other communities um, because we are the only community that caters to the bottom denominator of our society. Now, let me explain what that means. Um, it means to say that not every black American is a criminal. Not every black American is committing crimes, but we are unique in that we are the only people that fight and scream and demand support and justice for the people in our community that are up to no good. You would be hard pressed to find, um, you know, a Jewish person who has spent five stints in prison, uh, who commits a crime and dies while committing a crime and that the Jewish people champion and demand justice for. You will be hard pressed to find this in white America. You'll be hard-pressed to find this even in Latino America. Uh, if there is a person that is spent multiple times in prison, you are not going to see a bunch of Latinos coming out um, demanding justice for this person, even if, and I want to be very clear, what I'm saying is not any defense for Derek Chauvin. I hope Derek Chauvin gets the justice that, um, that he deserves to be um, you know, implemented upon him and that the family um, of George Floyd deserves justice for the way that he, that he died. Um, but I also am not going to accept the narrative that this is the best the black community has to offer. For whatever reason, it has become fascinating over the last uh, five or six years for us to turn criminals into heroes overnight. Um, and it is something that I find to be despicable and it's something that I refuse to stand by any longer and I'm not going to play a part in it no matter how much pressure comes from black liberals and black conservatives as, as some token of people wanting you to believe that this is the only way you can be black is you have to say this was wrong and that this, you know, this person was amazing. I won't do that. Uh, George Floyd was not an amazing person. Um, and as soon as this video hit the internet, I did just basic searches. Uh, everyone jumped on it and called and, and was looking at the police officer and everyone agrees that the police officer was wrong and the police officer has been arrested. Um, so that is not, the reason I'm not discussing that is because that is not something that has been misconstrued in the media. Uh, he has been turned into the devil that he is and there is no reason for us to harp on that any longer because white Americans are not uplifting Derek Chauvin as a victim or pretending that he's an amazing human being. But George Floyd is being uplifted as an amazing human being. Um, and uh, for those of you who have not yet seen the clips and did not pursue or wait for more clips to come out, uh, first and foremost, George Floyd at the time of his arrest was high on fentanyl and he was high on methamphetamine. Uh, this came back in both of his autopsy reports. Uh, if you pursue the 911 transcript, you can see the person describing somebody who is out of their mind high, um, and which is what made the person fearful because he tried to, you know, to uh, use a uh, uh, 
a, a bill that I guess was a fake bill to purchase something. And then he was outside acting weird. And they, in their police call, said that this person was obviously distorted on drugs. Uh, when he is put into handcuffs and is put against the wall, a baggie of what looks to be like uh, cocaine or uh, some, it's, it's white, it's a white baggie that he drops onto the floor that you can see in an image. If you look up the clip, the media is refusing to circulate it. You can find it on Twitter. If you if you use DuckDuckGo and look up um, George Floyd baggy, uh, you can watch the clip yourself with your own eyes. Uh, he had drugs on him at the time of his arrest. Um, now, barring all of that, nobody thinks that he should have died during this arrest. But what I find despicable to be is that everyone is pretending that this man lived a heroic lifestyle when he didn't. And I want to talk about what his lifestyle was um, leading up to this moment and why I refuse to accept the narrative that this person is is a martyr or, or should be lifted up in the black community and that we should be buying T-shirts uh, with his name on it. OK. So here we have, first and foremost, let's start from the bottom of his record. And by the way, I am not saying that if you have a record, you don't deserve a second chance. I think people get arrested um, and some people can serve time in prison. And I believe in second chances, but I do draw the line when it comes to uh, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, ch and ninth chances. 1998, he spent uh, 10 months in prison for theft with a firearm. Uh, that was the first prison stint that I could find on him. In 2002, he spent eight months in prison for a cocaine offense. In 2004, just two years later, he spent another 10 months in prison for a cocaine offense. In 2005, he spent another 10 months in prison for having um, less than one gram of cocaine on him again. Um, in 2007, and this was the biggest instant um, uh, that I had that made me realize this was a horrible human being that I would, I, I am not going to pretend was a good person. In 2005, a woman who was pregnant uh, received a knock at the door um, and she went to the door and the person pretended to be someone that worked um, for the water department. So she opened her door and quickly realized that the person at her door did not work for the water department and attempted to slam it. Um, at the moment that she was attempting to slam it, a Ford pulled up and another five men jumped out of the car, and one of which was George Floyd, came up to the door, and they forced their way inside to her home, uh, inside of her home. Um, mind you, this woman is pregnant. At that point, uh, George Floyd took out a gun and pressed it to her stomach. Um, and she was screaming, begging for her life, and, uh, and he put her inside of her living room and instructed one of his criminal friends that was with him uh, to watch her and to make sure she didn't leave the living room. So he was playing guard while they ransacked her home looking for drugs and money. They did not find um, drugs. They ended up taking, I believe, her wallet and her cell phone. Fortunately for her, her neighbor um, observed what was going on and caught the license plate of the people as they pulled off and called 911. And when 911 was able to, um, they were able to track down the car and of which uh, George Floyd was the driver, um, and they arrested him. And two years later, he was sentenced to five years in prison um, for that instance. Um, now, you can say uh, the media is portraying it like he was just getting his life together after you know being released in 2014 following that incident. Uh, he was just getting his life together and, and moved and was going to start afresh. I'd like to believe all of those things, and there's a gap, and he never got in trouble for five years until this incident when the police were called on him again. Um, uh, but you are defying common sense to believe that this person suddenly became an exemplary character but happened to be high on fentanyl and methamphetamine um, and, and trying to use a bill 
from uh, a fake bill to purchase something. And so in my opinion, uh, George Floyd was a criminal. <laughs> he was a criminal. And just because he was a criminal doesn't mean he deserved to die at the knee of a police officer. But it does mean that I am not going to play a part of the broken black culture that always wants to martyr criminals, who wants to pretend they were these upstanding human beings that just wanted to help society, uh, that just wanted to reach out um, and, and uplift society. And he has a rap sheet that is long, that is dangerous. He was an example of a violent criminal his entire life. Okay, up until the very last moment. Now, again, I want to be clear. This is not a defense for Derek Chauvin. No one in, that I have spoken to, no one in the news is defending Derek Chauvin. He is getting what he has coming to him. Okay, great. But why are we pretending that this criminal should be upheld as a citizen, uh, a, 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 as a martyr in black America? A martyr for a fake narrative, by the way. Yeah, I can't even listen to the rest, but... Uh... What are your thoughts on what you just heard about what she said? I mean, it's just heartbreaking. And I feel like all I hear is a lack of empathy. And unfortunately, when it comes to Candace Owens, I can't say that I am surprised. This is someone who's been pro-Trump since 2016. This is someone who's been against welfare, even though she's admitted that her family's on welfare. Um, this is someone who called the Me Too movement stupid and that she hated it. So um, I think all I can say right now, because I haven't listened to the entire thing in its entirety to, to form a complete and full and honest opinion, um, I just think it's heartbreaking, but heartbreaking, but I'm not surprised. How do, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so like basically, you know, for her to point that out, she's saying she's not trying to judge him and so forth um, and make it seem like he deserved it. But to bring up the past like that, he, she's definitely doing that. You know, I'm right. going to judge her based off of that. Definitely. That's it. Um, and for 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 her to say, you know, he's the the lead, like like uh, like she's basically saying he's nothing like he's not supposed to be on this pedestal. But if we're saying all black lives matter. You know what I'm saying? He does matter. And it looks like, you know, he, within that four, four or five years, he, he was getting his life together. That's what it seems like, you know? Oh, yeah, you, you um, didn't get to hear that part. But she was like, there, um, there's a five-year gap between the year he got arrested. And my whole point is people change. People, people go through things. You don't know what situation he was put in to be doing all this stuff. And then secondly, nobody said he was the face of all Black Lives Matter. It's the it's the whole police brutality. That's what's going on. That's what we're talking about. Behind it, not necessarily. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, nobody yeah. made. Yeah, nobody made him the face of <laughs> what's going on. So right. I don't know what she's talking about. And he didn't ask to be the face. Of yeah, it. he died during an injustice. He should be alive right now. Yeah. So, so like I, I said, didn't understand it, it. Feels like a big lack of empathy. And, and it makes me, it really makes me sad because I think because of this massive lack of empathy, um, that's kind of how we got here. When people don't care, you know? Yeah.